Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Chasing Thoughts was founded by strangers, two life coaches who met on TikTok and shared the desire to create a different kind of life coaching podcast. Instead of talking about how to do it right, the Chasing Thoughts podcast explores embracing our true essence to find a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment. Life coaches Keith and Mindy take a unique approach that transcends popular notions of perpetual happiness and striving relentlessly to become one's ideal self. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life. Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm a strategic interventionist and stoner-spirited life coach. Hi, my name is Mindy, and I am an authenticity empowerment coach. Welcome to Chasing Thoughts. Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Today we have Justin Glazier. Justin is the author of the groundbreaking new bestseller, Sweat, Uncovering Your Body's Hidden Superpower, which reveals sweat's wildly underappreciated role in health, vitality, and disease prevention. I'm super excited to talk to you today, Justin, because I've been trying to convince my husband for several weeks to buy one of those little saunas off Amazon and put it in our yard. So hopefully you're going to give me the information that I need to fuel my argument to convince my husband today. So welcome to the show. I can't wait to hear what you have to say today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So why don't we start out with you just sort of setting up the story of how we got here. I know you experienced a lot of medical challenges when you were young, and then you found this. So kind of tell us a story so we're on the same page as you. Sure. So I'm, I'm 28 years old now. In my late teenage years into college years, I started having a bunch of different health challenges, mostly um, nothing that required hospital time, but mostly around uh, fatigue, um, brain fog, depressive, automatic negative thoughts. And it was pretty debilitating, but not in a way that made anyone, you know, pull me out of school or anything like that. It was just to diminish my quality of life to an extreme degree. And when I graduated from school, I was supposed to go on a, a hike with one of my best friends through Nepal, actually. And when I got home, my parents were like, there's no way you could do that. We think you'd die because I can like, barely walk down the street without seeming exhausted. So that really um, made me draw a line in the sand and say, I need to figure this out. And so that resulted in trying a bunch of different Western doctors, Eastern doctors, blood tests, genetic tests, acupuncturists, everything under the sun to try and get to the root cause and heal it. Because I knew that if I didn't do that, my quality of life would be pretty shot. Um, so it really felt like my back was against a wall. Uh, in that process, that was probably a two year period. Um, I tried all those things. Um, I became obsessed reading, talking to people, figuring it out. Um, I stumbled into a sauna one day, just based on a friend's recommendation, went in for 20, 30 minutes, expecting it to, you know, be a dead end, like all the other things I've been trying. And when I got out and took a shower, I felt a level of clarity that I hadn't felt um, since I was, you know, a kid pretty much. And that didn't last forever, but it, um, I kept going to the sauna and trying to figure out why this was helping me so much. 
And ultimately that um, compared with a few other things, but mostly through that took me from feeling terrible to better to, you know, feeling like a kid again, feeling great um, and really feeling like I've achieved sort of uh, my 10 out of 10 health that I was looking for. Um, and so this book was really the like research project to understand why that was happening. And I was pretty amazed at the findings that made it make total sense to me. And I felt like it was really missing in the market to explain um, why this is so important and how this actually works and how it could really benefit other people, whether your back is totally against the wall or you're just looking for you know, improved mood, improved energy, preventative uh, sickness and that sort of thing. So this year I decided to, to write the book, add all the information and just decided to really commit the time and effort to putting this together for people. I love that. And I know that Keith and I both have sort of strong feelings about big pharma and the amount of pills people take and sort of what the culture of healthcare is in America and how many sort of basic things, fundamental things have been forgotten or aren't tried before those methods are taken. And so this is one thing that I don't know about very much at all, sweating. And so I'm excited to try it out in my life because I'm, I'm 44. And so I'm looking forward into my second half going, how can I do this the healthiest, strongest with the most vitality possible? Because who, who doesn't want that, right? We all want to live to our best selves. And I also love in what you said that it's not just about the physical pieces, but about the mental, emotional pieces that you were struggling with too, that anxiety, depression. How long from that first day that you took Asana to the point where you felt like you had like the 10 out of 10 health? Was that still years of that journey or did that happen pretty quickly? It was months. It's kind of like, uh, if you think of like a graph kind of going up and then down a little bit, but always kind of trending upwards. And then you kind of reach a point where it's like, you feel like you're not questioning whether you could feel better. You're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to feel like all the time. And that becomes, I think that's why people who get into health become addicted to it. Um, because they realize that sort of your, like what you, your default subjective experience can get, like the bar can get raised for how you feel moment to moment. And I kind of lay out on the book why sweat plays such a critical part in that. Yeah, I agree with you. What my 10 out of 10 is today might be totally different than what it is a year from now based on the habits I choose in that year, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all cumulative. Yeah. I think that there are a ton of people struggling with the kind of health issues that you described. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know if that's because we live in a more toxic world or we have a lifestyle that doesn't really suit us as humans, but I think more and more you see the rise of, you know, chronic fatigue and those anxiety, depression, all those issues are rising and people can get stuck in them. So I guess, what would you say if somebody's listening and they're in that place, obviously they're going to try sweating and sauna and you're going to talk about that, but just I guess I'm looking for like acknowledgement and validation for everybody who's in that place right now, because it's a tough place to be in. And you know, that place from your life experience. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that can play into that. It could be, you know, working in something you find uninspiring or being stuck with sort of like life circumstances. The, the focus on in my book, and you mentioned toxins is, um, 
is kind of centered around that. So I didn't believe toxins were an issue when I was going through this process. And then after like really diving into it and talking to people, I realized, oh, this is perhaps the issue that's causing modern epidemic and all these conditions. Because the last 60 years, we've introduced tens of thousands of chemicals into the environment that are everywhere. They're on my, they're in my walls, they're on my couch, they're in my clothes, they're in the air we breathe, they're in the, wa the water and food supply. And so once you, the first kind of um, belief I try and get people to buy into is that we massively underestimate the impact of toxins on our health. Here's why, here's all the studies, here's all the ways it's linked to mental health, physical health, disease, cancers, diabetes, just all this crazy stuff that kind of roots in that. And so that can overwhelm people, but it's also um, empowering because once you get that stuff out of your system, your body's remarkable. And so that it, it's like getting the, I don't know, the grease out of the engines or whatever, and your body's meant to function properly once it's had the ability to detox these substances. But we just weren't built to uh, detoxify these substances at the level that we've been exposed to them. And, you know, first, the toxins are an issue. And then two, sweat is actually the best way to detoxify. And so I go very in depth on that and how that works. Yeah. So I listened to you in another interview and I know that the beginning of your book, which I ordered on Amazon, but haven't had time to read yet is about the history of sweat. So yeah. can you dig into that a little bit? And then we'll like weave those toxins back in. And Keith is an anthropology nerd. So he's really going to want you to dig in to as much as you can about this history. Like tell us about how different cultures historically have used sweat. Yeah. So I think that's, a, it's an important point, right? Especially without that many pills and biohacks and all this kind of modern approaches to health. Um, when you look through the history, you see that almost a ton of different cultures used different sweating practices regularly. We had the Native American sweat lodges, the Russian banyas, the Turkish, the like uh, the Peruvians, the South Americans, the just the Africans, uh, the Ankangs. So it's something that's been used by cultures around the world separately for different reasons, right? For either for uh, purification rituals, for initiation rites, for um, cleansing of evil, evil spirits. Uh, essentially, we've all had these rituals around sweating heavily, and there was also a communal aspect to it. And so that was before, you know, there was exposure to heavy metals and other kind of toxins in the environment pre-industrial revolution. But now that's more important than ever, and it applies in kind of a new way. And so I wanted to kind of set the context that this is not some new invention that is like a hack for the human system. We've been practicing this, and now it's more important than ever. Yeah. And I think what's neat about history is that there's things that we do that might have been for reasons like, would you say, uh, cleansing evil spirits? <laughs> yeah. But what was really happening on a scientific level, right, is different. It's kind of like today's science that says, hey, we need to touch dirt because the microbes in dirt actually help us. Right. And so you're learning mm -hmm. that. And so when you look back in time, you can't discount things that were done for said silly reasons because they were actually having this deeper impact all along that we just couldn't talk about in a scientific way for many years. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Keith and I were just kind of shooting the shit before you got on and you touched on something that we were, we wondered about. So if him and I are in the sauna together, because you said communal aspect, which made me think of this. 
and I'm releasing toxins and he's sitting next to me releasing toxins. Is that safe or are we like swapping toxins? <laughs> it's a good point, right? So, I mean, what, what you want to do, I go into depth in terms of like sauna etiquette and how to go about doing a sauna. But really what you want to be doing is wiping off regularly. And maybe as you're releasing sweat, you're wiping it down. It's getting absorbed into the towel. When your towel is pretty wet and you step out of the sauna, put it in the bin, get another towel. Um, you know, there's going to be some in the air, I guess, but it's going to be less than what you're expelling, hopefully. And so if you're doing, if you're aiming for like 20 minutes of profuse sweating in a sauna and you're doing that, it's going to be more coming out than going in, let's say. But you, you do want to minimize sort of what's in the air as well. Yeah. Do Good you question. recommend it as a singular practice or a community practice or both? How do you engage in it? Uh, I, I got a sauna from uh, at home. So a private sauna. Um, I do it by myself. I, when I'm traveling or if I'm elsewhere, I'm happy to go into a, a public sauna and hope that people, there's, there's some etiquette. People will walk in in their shoes or with their phone. And it's just, I want to like tell them, Hey, actually I wrote a book on this. I think you should consider listening to my advice. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly fine to, um, you know, go into public sauna. It's going to be better than, than worse for you. So I, I also recommend dry saunas. Don't go into a steam room. I'm actually, um, advise against that mold is common in those mold grows in moist, dark environments. That's what a steam room is. And you're breathing in the water vapors that are typically tap water and contaminated. So stick with the dry and infrared. So what other elements do you add to your sauna? I mean, obviously you're drinking water. Do you put anything special in your water? Do you meditate? Do you listen to something? What is the whole experience like for you? It varies a little bit. I try and it's not about making it difficult. I have some friends who like to go to a dry versus an infrared because it's harder and it feels hotter, even though you actually sweat less. Um, I'll throw on a podcast through like my glass window. I'll watch a movie or something like that. I'll meditate. And, you know, really it's just about, I view it as just, I need to do this regularly to deal with like the modern exposure. And you really feel it when you do that. And so it's really just about getting a couple towels really wet and getting out of there. It's kind of how I view it. It's just kind of part of the protocol now. Yeah. Have you also found that due to your research, you are more conscious of the toxins in your life and the products you buy overall? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I kind of make a, a very simple third grade diagram in the book called like the toxin vitality equation, which is just um, uh, minimize your exposure to toxins on the bottom half and then maximize your um, detoxification efforts on like the top half. And so it's those two things, right? And so the sweat is to deal with what you already have and are dealing with. And then there's the, how do you minimize your exposure component, which I deal with less in the book, but touch on. So that's, I, I view that as like an 80, 20 thing. Um, air filters for your home, super helpful. Your, you know, air is actually uh, arguably a much greater source of pollution and like what your toxin exposure than your food, even because you're breathing all the time. And um, then also I would say water, so like a shower filter, which is what you're exposing to uh, through your skin. But yeah, at a certain level, you realize it's unavoidable. Um, and you, it's like a, it's something you become aware of that you weren't aware of before. And it can be a bit overwhelming, but you know, I think you just first you face reality and then you deal with it and there are ways to deal with it. Yeah. So I want to move into a little bit talking to you about writing the book. 
I listened to your interview on a different podcast and you said, I did not want to write this book, but this book wanted to be written. And I loved that so much because I feel like that's a common experience for people where you sort of have this soul calling or this urge. And then the practicality of it is that you really don't want to do it. And so, you know, how did, how did you remedy that to push through that and actually create this for other people to read and be healthier? Yeah, I think I, th I thought about, um, I like to do like side projects and things like that. And so I was exploring a few different options for what I could pursue. And this was sort of on my short list. And I looked at it and I thought, all right, I think 50 years from now, I'd really regret not putting this together because it feels like I stumbled onto some secrets that, um, for whatever reason, were put in my path and really believe is perhaps some of the most important information one can learn about health and can really change your quality of life, life of your family members and have a really um, important ripple effect. And so I think I was on Amazon and I, I came across a book I had read called Breath by James Nestor. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to do for sweat what he did for breath. I think it's even more important than breath personally. So screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give myself six months. And then I just carved out the time and, uh, and did it. But, you know, if I knew how hard it would be, I wouldn't have done it. But I think also my why was big enough. So it, it kind of came together. Not a pleasant process. I'll say that much. <laughs> Yeah. And kudos for having the ability to self-discipline, to sit down and write every day. I think you said in your other podcast that you wrote for three hours a day. And I think that is kind of one of the beautiful experiences about being a human is having sort of this intuition and like, I don't know if you want to call it magical or consciousness or undefined, and then having to define it and put it into three hours a day and right? Both of those things to birth something into the world. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you did that because you created something that's a valuable piece of information for folks. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really nice. Um, you know, during those six months, there's no feedback loop from other people about what I'm doing. So it's just kind of writing into the void. And then finally, it comes out and you start to get feedback and that kind of affirmation that it was worth the effort. So it's been nice to, to do that because it only came out six weeks ago. So I'm still in the, the first push of getting it into the world. Yeah. And for all of our listeners who haven't checked it out on Amazon, it has a lot of five-star reviews and a lot of great feedback. So congratulations on that because Thank that you. must just feel great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, it's confirming that I, my, my, my hunch was right. And so, you know, I'm just looking to spread it as much as possible. So do you have any plans in the future to expand these ideas, write another book, do workshops? Like any, is it, do you see growth in this area or do you feel like, okay, I got what's in me out in this way, time for a different side project? Yeah, I think when I was writing it, I decided to kind of put blinders on and just say this, my, my one goal of the next six months outside of the other stuff is to write the best book I can that I feel like can stand the test of time and will be valuable 10, 100 years from now, hopefully. And so I feel like I did that, which was great. And then these past few weeks, it's been focused on the marketing component and really pushing it as hard as I can and spreading the message. Um, that's just been interesting to kind of get inbound opportunities, people saying, hey, I'd love to talk about a company opportunity or something like that. Um, right now, the main focus is just spreading the book. I think 
you know, there's tons of things related to this. I go really in depth into something called the nice and sauna protocol in the book that I believe is perhaps kind of like the, the pinnacle of the ideas in the book kind of culminates in that as a, a healing protocol. I really believe in that. Um, so I'm not sure where this leads, but right now it's just really about pushing the book. Yeah. So tell us besides Amazon, cause I saw it on there, where else can people get the book? Is it available everywhere? Barnes and Noble? Is it on audiobook yet? Tell us a little bit about like how the marketing rollout goes. Sure. Now it's available. Yep. So you can check it out on Amazon. It's Kindle paperback and hardcover right now. I did record the audiobook. I'm still uploading that. Uh -huh. And then I've got it on TikTok shop and I'm really prioritizing Amazon uh, just because it's such a dominant player in the space. So that's yeah. the main place to get it right now. So you actually read it yourself for the audio. I did. That was an interesting process. I love that. I love when authors read their own books for audiobooks. I'm big on audiobooks while I'm gardening or cleaning or doing whatever. So oh. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did it um, three weeks ago, I think. I went in and did it over a couple of days. Um, something that would have been valuable to do while writing the book because you really engage with it in a different way and go, ooh, I like this, I don't like this, that sort of thing. Overall, yeah. I was happy, but you definitely capture some things. You're like, ah, I can see second edition stuff coming, coming out. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask just a couple of simple questions that I know are in the book, but I'm curious. Does it matter if I want to buy one for my backyard, if I get the yeah. $1,500 model or the $6,000 model? Like, does sauna technology improve or is it? not really make a difference. Yeah, so this is, I, I wanted to come back to this when you said at the beginning, um, the sauna industry is unregulated. And so there's no oh, wow. sort of oversight in terms of claims or anything like that. And it's really important to realize, and I learned this during the process, that there are a couple of things to look out for when getting a sauna, particularly infrared saunas. So one is um, toxic materials in the builds. So using glues, flame retardants, bamboo, um, this is a really uh, big problem because if you think uh, in a car, if you heat, if you get into like a really hot car on a summer day and you have a plastic water bottle, you leave, you leave and you come back, you drink it, it's going to taste like plastic because toxins migrate with heat. And so if you have a essentially a hot box that's heating up and releasing these VOCs into the air, you're doing the exact opposite of what you signed up for in the first place of getting a sauna because you're literally in a confined space breathing in toxins from the build. A lot of companies lie that they don't have this going on, and then you'll have independent people testing it and showing VOC reports. Um, and then the other thing to look out for is something called EMFs, which are electromagnetic, electromagnetic frequencies that um, the jury's a little bit out on their health impacts, but some people believe it's really, really bad for you in terms of radiation. And so with infrared saunas, you really want to make sure it's a low EMF saunas. The portable sauna space, like the Amazon kind of like stick your head out or even like plastic zip up things, uh, none of them kind of passed that sniff test. So I'm in a Facebook group of 50,000 members who bought every sauna under the sun and tested them. There's not a single portable sauna on the market that passes that test. And so unfortunately, I was actually, this is one side project I was considering is starting that business that can make those. But really, you need to get a wooden sauna um, if you're going to 
uh, get one for your home. So maybe we can link to that Facebook group for people to kind of dig around and see what saunas are available that actually pass that test. Because you, you'll get on the phone with companies and the salesperson will just just not care that they're lying to your face about some results, things like that. So a little, you know, it's kind of that thing with health. It's like, all right, this is a healthy thing, but what are some unintended consequences that might occur if I start implementing this? That's That's the big one. That and also you're sweating out a lot of stuff, so you want to replenish. I am so glad that you shared that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. it's an important point. We'll put the Facebook group and any other links that you find valuable in the show notes. And when you said it, it's like a light bulb went off. Of course, if they're using weird glues and all sorts of other things, I don't want to be in that or if it's plastic. Um, and it's something that I just never had thought about before. So I think that is great information. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So that was my first question. Second question is how often are you going in your sauna and does it vary or is it pretty much the same week after week after week? I go, I think like a minimum dose that I recommend to people is three minutes, I'm sorry, three days a week of 20 minutes of really heavy sweating. Like you're sweating and then you wipe and then do sweat emerges in a couple of seconds. And so getting three sessions of 20 minutes, I know that's what Dr. Pizzorno recommends. He's a, a, a leader in sort of the alternative health world. Um, and that tends to feel really good. I'll usually go up to maybe five, five days a week. I like to take a couple of days off. Mm -hmm. When you were doing your research, did anything come up about how people sweat differently? Yeah, so I... I well, as I was writing the book, I would use um, this accountability app where I'd pair with someone for a work session. Um, I think it's called Focusmate. And you'd say what you're working on. And I'd say, oh, I'm working on chapter two of my book. I'll see you at the end of the session. And then they'd say, what's your book on? And very often I'd, I'd, I'd tell them and they'd be like, they'd immediately open up. Like, I don't sweat at all. What's going on? Or like, I sweat all the time. I, I don't know why I'm such an excessive sweater. Like a shocking percentage of people. The, the research on this isn't that clear from what I found in terms of, it's called hyperhidrosis if you sweat a lot, hypohidrosis if you don't at all, or like you undersweat. Uh, the hyper, the argument that made the most sense to me is, you know, if you're about to go on stage for public speaking and your hands get kind of balmy or something like that, or you start getting nervous, the idea is that you have like an overactive um, stress response, fight or flight response, and that that's causing excessive sweating is one argument. Um, Another argument would be you have a really high toxic load and your body is just doing what it can, like even when you're not in a hot environment to sweat is one argument. But to, to be frank, it wasn't very clear. And so I didn't include um, any data on that in the book. Yeah, it's interesting because, so my husband is a major sweater and I'm not a sweater and we'll go on a hike and I won't have one drop of sweat and his shirt will be like ring out soaking, sweat dripping off his hat, right? And so yeah. when I'm thinking about it in terms of sweating out toxins, I'm thinking, well, my husband probably needs a 20 minute session. I probably need the hour session to get the <laughs> same amount of sweat out of my body. And that's what yeah. led me to ask it is like, huh, that's interesting. And have you found it all that the amount that you sweat varies over time or based on your level of stress or does it change throughout your life and your sauna experience? I, the main thing you'll notice and other people notice is it'll take different amounts of time to start sweating. 
Ah. Or the quantity of sweat, even if all the other valuables are the same, like your the temp in your sauna is the same. Um, you know, you go on at the same time. And I don't have a clear answer for that. I think there's a lot of variables, like what your diet has been like, how's your sleep yeah. been? That could be causing different sort of response levels. So yeah, there's still there's still a lot of research to be done. <laughs> the sweat, the sweat is kind of a you know, the, the idea is kind of a backdoor for that main issue, right? So the main issue is the toxin issue and the sweating is really just this, thank God the human body has this sort of release valve that we tend to underestimate for this issue once you buy into the size of the issue and sweat's just the best way to deal with it and sauna is the best way to sweat, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I had no relationship with sweating, like never thought about it until I read Born to Run, which talks about the importance of sweat, right? And how that's why we can outrun animals because we're shedding heat in a way that they can't, which was fascinating. Yeah. And so this will kind of be my second real curiosity and engagement with sweat when I get your book and really start to try it out. And I'm big, and it sounds like you are too, on experimenting in my life. So I'll take a new thing and say, okay, I'm going to try this on for three months or six months and then, you know, journal how it's affecting my life and see if it's something that I want to keep. So I'm excited to take this on as sort of an experiment to see how does it impact my life? And do I want to keep it? Do I want to invest in it for my home? And it, I think for the answer is sure. yes, but. <laughs> I hope so. It tends to be. You know, there's two, there's two sides of it, right? There's the, um, wow, I, I noticed my energy levels up, my mood's better. I feel more resilient in terms of stress response. My mind feels sharper. Um, you know, my mental clarity's up, all those kinds of things, which are great. And some people have different experiences with that for different reasons. Then there's the preventative side. So there's the disease prevention side. So the things you're not going to see, the fact that you don't get cancer in 25 years, not medical advice, but just the idea that like, yeah, there might be a tie between toxins and these diseases. You're not, you know, Alzheimer's and, and things like that. So there's the things you don't see in terms of results, but then there's also the sort of immediate benefits that hopefully um, that a lot of people experience. Yeah. It's funny. My dad has fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And I told mm -hmm. him that I was doing this interview and he said, Oh, good. Give me the book when you're done, because there have been so many fibromyalgia patients who have recommended this. And so many of his doctors who have recommended sauna and sweating because oh. it helps with fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. And so your interview kind of really came at an opportune time for someone in my family and I'll be passing the, the book on to him and hopefully he'll have the same results that other people with fibromyalgia have had where as they detox, they start to feel better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I don't know too much about fibromyalgia, but the idea that sort of a lot of these things are rooted in this issue is kind of big. And, you know, as, re as I was researching this, I kind of looked around, I'm like, why haven't I heard of this before? Why wouldn't the medical system push these ideas if they're true? And so the kind of conclusion you get to is, let's, let's assume this is true. And, and toxins are a root cause of most of the issues we're dealing with in the modern world. And sauna and sweat is the best solution for it. If, if we buy into that, let's say the medical system totally went sold, this is true. The whole ship's not just going to turn in that direction because the incentive structure is not there. Their incentive structure is not to make the healthiest, most vibrant human being. Their, their incentive structure is dealing with sick people. And so it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just the reality of the situation. So I think that helps explain why, why we haven't heard of this that much because it's just not, even if it's true, which I believe it is and a lot of people do, 
it doesn't it won't change what you're hearing from sort of the the big ships i think it'd be like a big ship um like it takes a long time to turn a big ship versus a little ship kind of like startup world where you need startups to kind of come in and disrupt and bring the new ideas because you're not going to hear it from the bigger players very true and like you mentioned with some of the companies who aren't being completely honest about their materials we live in a capitalist society, right? Money is oftentimes the goal, whether that's prescription medications or toxin-laid <laughs> things, right? And like you said, good or bad, it's not about the judgment. It's about the truth of it and how to navigate that world that is set up that way, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think I think with the sauna companies, um, you know, I think there's a convincing that it's not as big as of a deal as maybe some people claim or, you know, toxic materials doesn't matter that much or EMFs aren't that big of a deal. Um, my thinking is just, if you're going to be using this multiple times a week for years, like, let's just set you up to minimize exposure to these things while the jury's still out on how much of an impact they can have. I mean, the toxin thing, that jury's done. The EMF thing is a little bit more gray, but, um, you know, if you have the choice, so that's, that's on that piece. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask Justin to brag about himself in a couple of minutes. Keith, did you have any questions or anything that you wanted to kind of dive in before we go to that stage of the recording? Uh, yeah, I am. I am blown away by all of this. Um, I would not think that something as common as sweat would be so so impactful, you know, on our lives. And I and I've seen, you know, in my own life how a lot of important stuff is sort of lost into background noise where like what the easier place to go through is is like like mindy was saying the, the pharmacy the medics medicines you know um in fact i just i knew somebody that their first year in college going through some depression and stuff and the first thing they do is put them on antidepressants and and stuff so th this is just blowing my mind that how important it is, especially in this day and age where everything is more sedentary. And I was talking to many prior to, and, you know, we live in, in these houses that we insulate the outside from, and we almost sit in our own toxins constantly. And that was actually a question I had. So with, with, with the onset of COVID, there's, there was a lot more at home workouts. Um, so people are sweating in their home. And then, you know, in the winter time, you know, especially in the Northeast, you got the windows closed, there's no ventilation, you know, um, is that, are we just reabsorbing like all those toxins and, and, and the way that we live, how is that affecting us with bringing those toxins in and trapping them inside of us? Yeah. I th well, I think the home is kind of the most important place to optimize in terms of minimizing exposure. I can do a better job with that, frankly. Um, I think air filters it's kind of an area that I'm very interested in exploring more deeply just because you're, it's just, you're just in here breathing 16 hours a day if you're working from home. So optimizing the home, um, you know, like I said, the, the paints, the, the, the couches, the your pillow that you're on eight hours a night, this stuff just adds up um, in terms of, you know, the COVID and the working out and those things. Um, I think that's somewhat of an issue. I think it's better that they were sweating than not sweating, but because at least some of it's getting out and they're exercising, which is always healthy. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to come in and create solutions for just like making the home as healthy and toxin-free as possible. The carpets, the petrochemicals in the carpets, it's just, 
becomes like a, whoa, I just didn't see any of this before. If you buy into the fact that it matters, which hopefully, you know, my book explains why you should. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wild. And, and like I said, you know, I wouldn't have come across this information if my back wasn't against a wall and it required me going through dozens of options to kind of realize like, okay, maybe this is the route. And then, wow, it is. And then going, joining communities online where I'm seeing thousands of other people went through that process and came to this root cause. And then why haven't I heard of this? And now you understand why you haven't heard of it. So it's this really, really backwards thing that wouldn't be in, in some ways is intuitive to know in other ways, isn't intuitive to know because of how deep the programming is around how we think about our health. That's coming from these trillion dollar organizations, essentially. Yeah. Did you, did you find any resources on when, when you're going to go buy, you know, change out a carpet or buy a new couch or something um, yeah. Are there places to go where you can find um, places that are selling less toxic material or better, maybe better material? So that uh, we'll, we'll link to that Facebook group. Uh, it's 50,000 members who many were in a similar situation to me. And so they all kind of have this, I don't healthy distrust, I guess would be a way to term it of, um, of products of solutions of ideas and that sort of thing. And so it's this really cool hive mind of people um, uh, coming to new, uh, sharing their information. Like, hey, this is the best mattress I've found. Here's why. Here are the studies on it. I checked it out. I really researched it. Um, and you can kind of piece those together. There's an app called, I think it's called Think Dirty for like home products that looks at uh, sort of the, the cleanliness of different products, whether your shampoos or your dish soap. I mean, your detergent, like this stuff, it's just, it comes with a rabbit hole for sure. And it's not meant to be overwhelming. I think you, you know, or like I said, accept that it's real and then take some steps to deal with it. Right. So I think that Facebook group is really helpful and it would be great to have sort of a website. I'm sure they're out there that kind of consolidates this information, but for now I found the best places, those Facebook communities. Yeah. Cause I can see how that can become very overwhelming you know, for, for somebody that has never looked into it or anything. And, and just like, man, everything that I'm using is toxic to me, you know, um, you know, in yeah. our environment. So, I mean, the low hanging fruit, I would say is, um, switching out your water tends to be something that like, um, there's kind of the, I think an important thing with like these health things is, are you going to actually implement it? You know, is it doable? And so it's easy to say all these things. Um, if you have a sauna at home, I think you're going to pretty regularly sauna versus if you need to drive an hour and a half to a place that doesn't have a shower and you're saunaing or something like that. Right. And so making it something that, you know, you can make form into a habit is helpful. Um, and switching out your water. Um, I think that's a bottle right there to like a, a glass bottled spring, um, water, like a mountain Valley or a Shasta is one sort of like low hanging fruit to start to feel Hey, maybe I'm, I do feel a little different when I'm not drinking plastic water bottles from reservoirs versus actual springs and that sort of thing. Mm. One thing that I heard you say, which I think is important right now, because we're talking about it is that for you, sauna triggered a healthier lifestyle. And I mm -hmm. think that there are things like that, and maybe they're not the same things for everybody where you start doing one thing and then all of a sudden it makes drinking water easier. It makes choosing eating vegetables easier, right? There's something that switches in the mind when you start to feel a little bit better that invites more health. 
And I think when we can find those things, and that's why I would probably, you know, really jump on something like this, because it's like, oh yes, this could be one of those nuggets that has a huge like fulcrum point for all these other things. Yes. Yeah. I've definitely experienced that. Um, my experience with health stuff has been, it's either like a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop. And you're, there's no real middle ground. It's like grow or die kind of thing. And the sauna, it's just such low hanging fruit. Like you don't need to, you just sit in there. You can watch a movie through the screen if you have your own and you just sweat. And I've had multiple people come to me and say, you know, I was eating unhealthy that week. And then I did a couple sauna sessions and all of a sudden I felt myself gravitating towards healthier foods Yes. Um, and wanting to go to the gym because my energy went up a little bit. So I had the energy to go to the gym and it could start that positive uh, feedback. I, I mean, I was arguably the least healthy eater you've ever spoken to. I was, I lived on pizza, cheeseburgers, Oreos, ice cream, and drove my parents crazy. And that certainly contributed by the time I hit 18, even though I was always like skinny and athletic and didn't really look like I had things going on, certainly contributed to what I was dealing with, right? Um, and so I would say sauna helped me go in a completely different direction in terms of the health and really be kind of um, arguably one of the healthiest eaters you now talk to. So it's been an interesting, interesting ride. Yeah. Cool. All right. So take a couple minutes to say anything else that you want to say. If you want to share your website, we'll put all the stuff in the show notes, but is there any kind of last minute bragging that you want to do before we close up? I don't know about bragging, but I would love, I'd love people to check out the book. It's a, I have another copy here. It's a short read, 130 pages. I no fluff. It really just gets to the point. Um, Check it out on Amazon. If you want to reach out with any questions, my email is justin at sweatthebook.com. I love hearing from people. My Twitter is heyjustinglazer. My Instagram is justinglazer7. And um, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. And feel free to reach out with comments uh, via email or, or social media. All right, that's perfect. So now I'm going to ask you one silly question before we close, because we like to close with a silly question. What's the most embarrassing song on your playlist? Uh, uh, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. So I guess any yes. of that would make, make, make people embarrassed. I love that. You know, yeah. I was staunchly in the non Taylor Swift fan just because she's so popular. And then the other day I'm listening to the song on the radio going like, oh my gosh, this song is amazing. And I looked it up and it was Taylor Swift. I'm like, God dang it. I do like her. Yeah, yeah she's great. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Justin. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Please support us by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review or comment. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at chasingthoughtspodcast at gmail.com.